This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Speaking of Missing Persons, and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started on today's episode, shameless plug, we have another show, Unsolved Mayhem. Make sure you're going and checking that out. Um, if you like this, you will more than likely like that, so make sure you're doing that. Uh, if there's a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, speakingofmissingpersons at gmail.com, and... Uh, as always, Sarah's telling our story, and I have no idea what it's about, other than the fact that it's a missing person, or persons. Is one person. Her okay. name is Alicia Amanda Stokes, but she goes by Mandy. Alrighty. So I'm going to call right. her Mandy. Mandy was born August 19th, 1974. Her parents were William and Deborah Stokes, and she was from Roanoke, North Carolina. Oh. oh, I did hear the, lots of people go missing around there. Did the whole town go missing with her? No, she didn't actually go missing from there. She came from a big family. There were three girls and five boys. Holy moly. Dang. Yes. Mandy was the first daughter her parents had, and Deb was super excited to finally have a daughter that she could dress up. She left North Carolina in 2005 and moved to Oakland, California. She went there to attend John F. Kennedy University in Pleasant Hill to study psychology. She moved into an apartment with a friend she had known since they were both little girls named Melinda Wiggins. Melinda had moved to California a few months before Mandy and was happy to have someone she knew move there with her. Right. Have a buddy. Mhm. Mandy had a br- Mandy had a vibrant personality. She was outgoing and made friends easily in California. She had decided to study psychology because her dad William suffered from PTSD. And she wanted to understand that disorder and other mental disabilities because she wanted to help people. Okay. Her brother Aaron moved to California in 2007. Mandy asked Melinda if he could crash on their couch for a little while. And Melinda was hesitant because it was pretty well known that Aaron had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. But Mandy assured her that he was clean and everything would be okay. So she agreed. 
it would be about three months and Mandy got an apartment with just her brother on Merritt Avenue in Oakland, California. Mandy had decided before the fall semester started that she was going to take time off from school. She had been working very hard at like the psych ward in the hospital but she herself was going through bouts of depression because she had lost her dad two years earlier around Christmas time. And she had not completely dealt with those emotions. So she was trying to give herself a mental health break. Right. She had Understandable. Right. She had developed a little bit of a drinking problem since her dad passed away. And it started while she was working at a bar at nighttime to help pay for her school. In her apartment. Some reports that I read said she was taking medication, though, to help her with her drinking addiction. Like, she was actively trying to stop drinking. I didn't know they had medicine for that. Right. It was like, go to AA or you should have luck. I'm sure it's just a depression medication. Like, you know, they, they were trying to help with the depression. Right. Hoping that she would also stop drinking. I mean, it's kind of like what they do if you... Are a smoker. They just give you depression medicine to try I to help you stop. I didn't know that. They've done it to me twice. It doesn't work. She had a boyfriend at the time, which was helping her. The couple met while they were both on vacation in Las Vegas. The problem was that her boyfriend, John, lived in New York City. Oh, damn. And she's in California. Literal opposite ends of the country. Yes. In November of 2007, Mandy decided to take a mini vacation to visit John. She immediately fell in love with New York City and decided while on that trip, she was going to move there as soon as possible. She's like, I'm just going to start a whole new life. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I've been to New York City and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I've never been. It's um, hectic well, everywhere all the time. It's crazy, and it smells, and it's dirty. Like, if you love New York City, more power to you, man. More power to you. But I just, I can't. It's too busy for me. I was going to say, I feel like it would be too chaotic, it's, and my nerves would be shot. I don't think I could do it. very much chaos. Like, I am very happy in small town Missouri. It's slow enough for me. I mean, this place is pretty fast-paced compared to where we grew up, where people walk like they're snails. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing goes by quickly in a small (laughs) town in Kentucky. Nothing. There's no urgency. She was so sure that she wanted to move that while she was there, she called her landlord to tell him. She's like, I'm out, pretty much. She came back to California on November 20th and started packing her stuff. This was really hard for Aaron and caused disagreements between the siblings. Three days after she returned, she called their mom and asked if she could talk to Aaron because he was struggling with her decision and she thought he was depressed. So she wanted their mom to talk to him. Deb tried to talk to him, but he kind of just blew her off saying he was fine. Was like, pretty much leave me alone. I'm fine. 
On Sunday, November 25th, so this is after Thanksgiving, the siblings woke up and drove to a nearby ATM where Mandy withdrew money. When they got back to the apartment around 8 a.m., the pair started arguing outside of their apartment building. Apparently, they were so loud that the neighbors could hear exactly what they were saying. At some point around 10 a.m., the arguing stopped. Aaron would later say that he went inside and took a shower, while, and while in the shower, Mandy yelled through the door that she was going to run some errands, and she left the apartment. At some point on Monday, so this is the next day, Aaron called their mom to say that Mandy had never come home from the previous day. At first, Deb just thought maybe she stayed with friends or even went on a mini trip to like clear her head because she was known to do that sometimes. Deb spent the rest of the day trying to call her daughter, but the phone just went straight to voicemail. On Tuesday, when no one could st- had still heard from Mandy, Deb told Aaron to call the police and file a missing persons report. But when she called Aaron back later, he told her he didn't know if he called the right place and that they told him he had to wait 24 hours. Well, she had already been missing 48 hours. Right. So, upset with her son a little, she called the Oakland police herself from her home in Atlanta, Georgia, to report Mandy missing. At the time, Deb didn't have the money to just jump on a plane and fly to California. Right. The Oakland police sent officers from their missing persons unit to the apartment to get information from Aaron. But Aaron wouldn't talk to them, and he wouldn't let them inside the apartment. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. Your sister's missing, dude. Why are you being weird? So they had no choice but to leave. They couldn't just bust into the apartment. Deb believed that Aaron did this because at the time he was back on drugs, more specifically heroin, and did not want to let police into the apartment where he had drugs. I mean, that makes sense, but still, it's your your sister. Frustrated, Deb feels the only way, the only thing she can do is, like, figure out a way to get... To California, but she also thinks that if she can find Mandy's license plate number and find her car, that maybe Mandy will be with her car. Right. So she calls the insurance company and begs until they give in and give her Mandy's license plate number. She then calls the Oakland police to give them the information. When they run the plate, it comes back to a car that was impounded just three hours before Deb reported Mandy missing. They go search the car, and they're thinking she's going to be in the trunk because of where the the car was abandoned. Where was it abandoned? I'll tell you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On the edge of my seat here. Her car had been abandoned in a merge lane on a busy road near a very steep embankment that was like kind of on a bridge that runs across a deep ravine. Weird. Yeah. I'm picturing like you got two lanes going one direction, two lanes going in the other direction, and a turn lane in the middle. And it was in that turn lane? 
Yeah. And it was like on the, like a bridge that was over top of a pretty big ravine. And then on both sides of the bridge are like this huge embankment. Okay. So it was basically abandoned in the middle of a bridge. Yeah. In a merge lane. That is very odd. Oh, wait. No, a merge lane would be at the end of an on-ramp to the highway. Right, so she was, it was yeah. either like getting on to the highway. Or getting off. Yeah, you're right. So it it was a weird spot. Yeah. They did not find her body in the trunk, but what they did find in the car was her wallet, iPod, ID, and her cell phone. The area where her car was found was the next place police went to search. Because this was a dangerous area, at first they believed she might have committed suicide. I don't think that... They were thinking like she jumped from the bridge into the ravine, maybe. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. But they searched the entire ravine and the embankment, and they found nothing belonging to her, no sign of her, no nothing. So they... Quickly ruled out suicide. One officer even said, you can't commit suicide and then hide your own body. No. No, it's not not possible. Right. That would be a hell of a thing if it was. (laughs) You turned into a zombie long enough to, like... Go hide. Go hide. Hide and seek champion of the world. Yeah. Friends of Deb's came together to get her and Mandy's other brother, Cody, plane tickets to fly to California a couple days later. When they arrived in California, they, like, hit the ground running. They started looking for Mandy where her car had been found on Tuesday. They did their own search of the embankment the best that they could because it was really steep. And then they started handing out flyers asking anyone if they had seen her that day. Now, a man walking by sees the flyer and then approaches Deb and Cody He tells them he has short-term memory loss, so he keeps a journal of everything he sees in the neighborhood so that he can look back on it later and pretty much remember what he did that day. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. At first, they think he is weird and kind of suspicious, but they quickly realize he's genuinely trying to be helpful, and in his journal from Sunday... It had detailed notes about Mandy's car being parked in that spot. And he had the time, which was 3 p.m., which then gave officers, like, more of a window. So she had went missing between 10 and 3. Right. Deb and Cody went to the apartment next. They were shocked at the state it was in because Mandy was never a messy person, but the house was, like, the apartment was, like, torn apart. Disgusting. They searched the apartment the best they could. Then they checked the basement of the apartment, a storage area, and also the boiler room, finding nothing. Aaron was sticking to his story that he had been telling the whole time, which is they got into an argument between 8 and 10 a.m. He took a shower. She left to do errands and never came back. Around two weeks into the investigation, the missing person, Persons unit was focusing in on Aaron. Yeah, I mean, they believe seems the only option here, best option anyway. Right. They believed that no matter what he had going on in that apartment, that he should want to help find his sister. Right. So yeah. by 
denying to speak to them or let them inside made him look guilty. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is when they decided to canvas the apartment building to see what the neighbors knew about the day Mandy went missing. What they find out was that not between, but from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on that Sunday, the siblings were arguing very loudly over money. Mandy was saying that she had to pay for everything and she was sick of it and she also believed he was stealing from her. One of the neighbors saw Aaron lunge toward Mandy. They kind of described Mandy getting around Aaron like a, you know, a football player avoiding a tackle. She kind of like like spun around, spun around to avoid him being able to make contact when he lunged. And then she took off running towards their apartment with Aaron on her heels Mandy made it into the apartment, and so did Aaron, slamming the door behind him. Then everything went quiet. Police thought they finally had Aaron, especially since he was the last person to see her that day. Then Mandy's boyfriend came forward to say that he talked to Mandy on that Sunday at 10.45 a.m. and that she was in her car. Okay. So now we've narrowed it down to between basically 11 and 3. Mm-hmm. We've got a four-hour well, window. a little bit shorter of a time because he said that she told him about the argument and that her phone disconnected at 11.20 while okay. he was in the middle of talking to her. He tried to call her back. And it went straight to voicemail. So he thought her phone died or for whatever reason she turned it off. But this temporarily threw investigators for a loop. So they started checking her bank activity since she had disappeared. Her account was used twice the day she went missing. Once at 11.28 at uh, three blocks from the apartment. And once at 11.57, five blocks from where the car was found. So now we're narrowing the time down a little bit more. But there was also some activity on her account the next day. But after this, they're like, okay, well, the card was only used at ATMs. Let's look at the surveillance video and see if it's actually her. Yeah. It was not her. Was it Aaron? It was Aaron. Ooh. With he actually withdrew all the money from her account. He emptied her account. With more digging, they also found out that he had been using her checkbook to forge checks to himself even before she went missing. In total, he had pretty much stolen six to seven thousand dollars from her. Jesus. Christ Almighty. Jesus. You know, that's 
really fucking sketchy. I'm looking at it going, okay, she stopped at a gas station three blocks from their apartment. Then a half hour later, or 20 minutes later, she stops at a gas station again. To take out more money? Well, she didn't say that that was the case. She said that it was used at a gas station. No, the at an ATM. Oh, it was an ATM at that point. It was an ATM both times. And the cameras on both of those also showed Aaron. Yes. So eight minutes after her phone went dead with John, Aaron was using her card at an ATM. And then, what, 20 minutes after that, he was using her card at a different ATM. Because you know how ATMs work. You can only take so much money at a time. Yeah, it's between right. two to 500 depending on the ATM. And so stuff. it showed he went to multiple ATMs so he could take out more money because he could only take out so much from here and so much from here. And then the next day he did it again at different ATMs until he emptied her account. My thought was, was he in the car with her when she was talking to her boyfriend? He had to be. Exactly. Right. That's and my he only did thought. something he to her. possibly been hiding in the car. Like, she didn't know he was in the car with her. Yeah, that was my thought. But, so, Aaron had a pretty bad heroin addiction at this time. His family said he would have stolen from anyone to get drugs, but that... But they did not believe that he killed his sister to get drugs. Mandy's family was forced to pack up their stuff and Mandy's stuff and go back to Atlanta because the landlord had already found new tenants for her apartment since Mandy told them she was moving. Right. A few days after Deb went home, investigators called to tell her they were no longer treating her daughter's case as a homicide or... As a missing persons, they were turning it over to homicide detectives because they thought Makes she sense. had been yeah. killed. Within three weeks of homicide detectives taking over, they told the family that Aaron was their number one suspect. Also makes sense. Yeah, I don't blame him at all. They brought him to the station for questioning, and just like every other time, he refused to cooperate. They said he did not seem upset that his sister had disappeared. Besides the story he had already told repeatedly, he did tell them that he had introduced Mandy to a bad group of people and that she was also doing drugs. Detectives said that when he would answer questions, he was very cold and calculated, and they almost made it seem like he was trying to cover his own ass and suggest that maybe she went to get drugs and got killed and da 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 because I introduced her to these people. That you know doesn't what I'm feel likely though. No. No. It's to me, no, because she had planned on moving to New York. She's trying to s- stop drinking and. Right. Yeah, no. After nine hours of being questioned, Aaron became very agitated and refused to answer anything anymore. Uh, can you blame him, though? No. I mean, nine hours. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a long time. I'd have said lawyer after probably, like, two. Minutes? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Seconds? Yeah. Yeah. 
On December 14th, homicide detectives went to a judge and asked for a search warrant for the apartment that the siblings had shared. By this point, Aaron was staying with friends and the apartment had new tenants. This made things harder since all of Mandy's stuff had been packed up by Deb and Cody before right. they left. Detectives did find what they're calling biological evidence inside the apartment, leading them to believe she had been murdered there. Oh. Oh, snap. Oh. Next, they searched her car again, finding more biological evidence that they believed could have been from a body being transported in the car. In California, detectives did not need a body to convict someone of a murder like they do in most other states. Oh, interesting. So they took their case to the district attorney, hoping to charge Aaron with the murder of Mandy. But the district attorney did not feel they had enough Evidence that wasn't circumstantial. Makes sense. So he wouldn't take the case. He wants something solid, something tangible. Yeah, like DNA or something. Right. Still to this day, Aaron maintains his innocence and his family wants to believe him because to believe something different would be really hard for his mother. She's stuck... Between a rock and a hard place. Right. If she believes her son killed her daughter, then she's lost two children, which to her is a complete nightmare. They do believe he knows more than what he is saying. Oh, yeah. 100%. And he now lives in Oklahoma City. He moved away from there. Into the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. At the time of Mandy's disappearance, she was 33 years old, had brown hair, green eyes, was 5'3", and weighed 120 pounds. She had her ears and her navel pierced, a scar on her forearm, a tattoo on her wrist, and a small birthmark on her thigh. If you have any information about Mandy's disappearance, please call the Oakland Police Department at 510-238-3641. All right. Now, is there time difference between New York and California? Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how much of a time difference? Was the I boyfriend giving New York time? I think it's when two or three was hours. talking to her? I think it's two or three hours. He couldn't have been because he knew about the argument. Oh, not true. Is California on mountain time? I have no idea. I don't, I don't even know what we are half the time. Central. Central, yeah. <laughs> I don't pay attention. I was just like, was he giving New York time when he was talking to her? Isn't it like a four-hour difference or something? Yes. So the West Coast is in Pacific time. So they are actually two hours behind us in Central, three hours behind New York. So if it's noon in New York... It's, what, 9 o'clock in... uh, California. California, yeah. So if it was 11.20 when he said her phone died... In New York, it would have been 8.20. Which was... They were still in the heat of the argument, supposedly. Yeah, they were still out front screaming at each other. So she Mm. wouldn't have been on the phone with him. I don't know. 
It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. Timelines are strange, especially if like I agree she with you. Got he killed in the apartment and then was moved, but then was talking to her boyfriend in the car well, on the phone. Right. <laughs> to it's me, it's all very what, weird. Okay, but hear me out. What if it is like what you're saying? And she was driving. He was in the back seat. Scared her. The phone went dead. Yeah, but then he would have murdered her in the car. Why? Why wouldn't he just have made her drive back to the apartment? Because eight minutes later, he was at an ATM. Like, okay, maybe he did murder know. her in the car and then took her to the apartment to dispose, like, to do something to dispose of her body. Maybe she wasn't actually murdered in the apartment. But the car was found in the merge lane around noon. I understand that, Samantha. I don't know. It just seems a lot. I don't know. I'm having a hard time, like, really making sense of all the timelines. It was found at noon the next day. Not the not noon the day she went missing. Oh, right. True. It was parked in that spot at 3 o'clock the day she went missing. So from 11. That's when they towed it. Was that 3 the next day? No, they towed it at noon the next day. It sat there in that spot from 3 p.m. to noon the next day. So he had... That's he surprising that it took them so long to tow that. Well, say that again because I think... Okay, let me break it down for you. She left the apartment at 10. Uh-huh. New York time. California time. California, California time. California time. She talked to her boyfriend while she was in the car. Her phone went dead at 11.20. Now, at the same time, eight minutes away, or eight minutes from then, at 11.28, her brother was using her ATM card. Nobody said he, like, didn't already have her card. Like, he didn't steal it from her. Right. Then he uses it again at almost 12. Uh-huh. Now, nobody knows what happens to her after the phone goes dead at 11.20. Her car is seen being in that spot at 3 o'clock by the man with memory loss. Okay. He doesn't see who puts the car there, whether it's a guy or a girl. Now, the car sits there from 3 p.m. until noon the next day. Okay. That's where I was getting confused. That's where I was getting confused. It didn't get towed until noon the next day. So know, he had from 12 to 3 o'clock to do something to her and get rid of her and then park the car there. Before the memory loss guy found it or saw it. Saw it. And before police towed it. Got that it. makes more sense. All right. <laughs> okay. I see. So it's completely possible that scenario here. Her phone does die. That's just a weird coincidence. Then she realizes she doesn't have her debit card. Uh Goes back to the apartment. Is going to get into another fight with her brother because he took her debit card. He does something to her that time. Then 
gets rid of her, gets rid of the car, because he has, like, what, three hours? Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you let us know. Leave us five stars wherever you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Share it with a family member, a friend, a coworker, whoever. Um, send your suggestions over to the email, speakingofmissingpersons at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, don't forget to check out the Patreon. Get those bonus episodes every other weekend. Uh, get a shout out on the show. Our gratitude. All of these episodes ad free. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Final thoughts, anybody? No. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. We will see y'all back next week. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye.